Welcome to Illinois Family Spotlight, a conversation about faith, family, freedom, the state of Illinois, our nation, and conservative action. Here's David Smith and Monty Larrick. Thanks for making Illinois Family Spotlight part of your day. I'm Monty Larrick. We have a robust economy, lots of jobs, growing wages, but for many folks in the black communities of Chicago and other big cities, they're still trapped in poverty, violence, and they're also faced with the prospect of getting booted out of their homes because of gentrification. Now here to talk about that is Pastor Caesar LaFleur. You have many hats, but you also work for an organization known as CURE. CURE is the Center for Urban Renewal and Education, founded by Star Parker, located in Washington, D.C. CURE deals with public policy issues, education, and also mobilizing of communities. And so that's their focus, is how do we rebuild the inner city. And you're with the Chicago chapter of CURE. Yes, absolutely. We started Chicago chapter after we did a summit with CURE last year, dealing with a summit for solutions on crime and violence in our community. Then we went to Washington, D.C. for their annual policy summit with six pastors from Chicago. We came back to Chicago and we said, why don't we start a chapter here? Because we wanted to bring what CURE brings to the table to bear here in Chicago. And we came together around the idea of the Triangle for Transformation, where we deal with prayer, with the different ministries here in Chicago that focus in on prayer. We would deal with policy, and that's what CURE is very strong in, being in Washington, D.C., having the connections to the think tanks and the different policymakers. Uh, we thought they would be an ideal fit with us. And then procurement, to be able to identify and locate resources, and then comes up with a means, a platform, to be able to distribute those resources to fund the different community development aspects that we're looking into. Explain, what's gentrification? Well, really, to boil it down to, sometimes people live in communities their whole lives. And then those communities, they, they go into decline uh, because of different economic situations that develop. And so when people come in to invest money into the community, what they actually wind up doing is bringing investments in the community to price the people that live in the communities out. So what we're saying is that a lot of areas, uh, we see these new developments going up, or we see these new projects, these shiny new objects that come in. And and the communities are starting to be developed, but they're not being developed for the people who live in the community. Those people by needs must be displaced from those communities so that the people that they're really drawing into those areas, those who can afford to live there, those who are reclaiming these different areas in the city, um, these communities are being developed for them. So we're talking about displacement, displacement of whole communities from the areas in which they live. There's areas on the south side, there's areas on the west side, a lot of different areas where you see these new projects going up. And you see these new buildings or new industry coming in, uh, these new business enterprises coming in. And at, at first, people are happy about that because you want to see development. But then you start noticing prices and rents and different uh, policies that come in face that kind of move people out of where they live. They can no longer afford to live there. So that's what gentrification is. When you come in and you change your neighborhood to suit the needs of others, besides the people that lived in those communities. And when you have development and higher property values, well, along with that, you have higher real estate taxes. Yeah, absolutely. And then also there's no ownership. You know, there's no opportunity for ownership. So one of the, one of the things we wanted to do with this summit, CURE, uh, working with some other entities here, decided to come and start a, a discussion about identifying 
educating people about what the problem is, because many people have no idea what gentrification is, that it's actually going on, and why it should matter to them. And then we want to look into some solutions, like we talked about community co-ops for home ownership. What are some other vehicles that could empower low-income people, people that are living in communities now, give them opportunity to have ownership in their community? Co-op? You know, my conservative red flags go up mm -hmm. here. I think about hippies or uh, socialism, whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, you have a different interpretation of co-op. Well, absolutely. And from a biblical perspective, one of the things we found out that co-ops is a biblical principle. In fact, when you hear in the Bible, every part of time they say the house of this person or the house of this person, or we look in the book of Acts, cooperative or people sharing resources in order to be able to provide for one another. It's not communism, it's not socialism, it's biblical economy. And it's something that's a biblical principle. The idea is to be concerned about others as much or more or less than what you're concerned about yourself. And so cooperatives are opportunities for people to buy in, to share leadership, to share the decision making, and to be able to make it affordable where people can now have some sense of ownership that they can manage and develop for themselves. The church needs to be leading the way in doing this. This is something that the church is prime and ideal for doing. But we have to get over our own selfish ambitions and start thinking about what things that we do instead of just empowering the local church to be able to transform communities. I'm a firm believer, Monty, that where there are churches of Jesus Christ, there should be a positive impact on the community that, we're, that where we are. It shouldn't be where the churches are wealthy and the neighborhoods are falling apart. So the church should be the first, the perfect one to not only talk about maybe helping to develop community co-ops for ownership. How do we help people identify and come up with ways where they can have ownership in their own community? But also, how do we educate our children? How do we remove ourselves from this Babylonian system and come up with a system that's more charitable, equitable, and fair? Well, some might argue that, you know, gentrification is just capitalism at work. And this is just part of the process of making communities better. It will hurt some people for a while, but they'll move on. And in the meantime, you've got economic growth, better property values that help the schools, etc. But it doesn't help the schools or doesn't help the people in the community. See, it's easy for someone who doesn't live in those communities, haven't invested their life there, to say, okay, they'll be okay. They're just going to go on. They'll be all right. And then they come in and they take advantage of situations that these people cannot afford. And so there's another, there's a deeper concept when it comes down to it. I'm a capitalist as well. But I also believe that there is a thing as fairness and charity. We said the love of money is the root of all evil. And so simply if we justify everything because it's profitable, well then where do we draw the line when it comes down to that? How do we celebrate profits and, and economic development when at the cost of it is displacing people and moving them away from their homes? And where do those people go? And then where is our concern about them? Uh, I heard someone at this summit say, uh, people in the suburbs better be caring about this because eventually it's going to come to them. Well, I think my response was you should care about it even now before it comes to you because it's just wrong. People should not be displaced. People should not be looked at as collateral damage for someone's economic development plan. There's a better way. There's a more charitable Christian kingdom econo economic way of doing that. I live out in the suburbs. Yes, I should be concerned about it as a Christian and as a good American. Could gentrification 
come to Naperville, Downers Grove, uh, Bloomington, etc.? Well, I don't know if it can and I don't know if it will, but I know that if you're a, a Christian living in Naperville and some of these other places and you find out that your Christian brothers in these inner cities are being displaced and are, are suffering because of that, it would seem that your Christian character, your concern for, the, for the, those who have the least, would cause you to say, okay, this is wrong, I need to know more about it, and I need to speak up against it. So simply because it's not happening to me is not justification for me to just sit idly by. I think it was Martin Luther King said, evil proliferates when good people do nothing. So how does, how, and then what's, where's the credibility with the church? That's why people look at the church as being not credible. Because if it doesn't affect you, then it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It only matters when it affects you. That's selfishness, that's more like the world. So when we tell people that these things are going on, that blacks and, and, and Latinos are losing their communities. They're being moved out. They're being priced out. Uh, somebody called it the pioneer economy or whatever. You have these white people in the suburbs who are looking at properties in the cities and they're developing things to price those people out of those communities so they can take them over. Um, I, I think that's a problem and that's what we're trying to talk about today. Pastor LaFleur, mm -hmm. I, I can recall my days covering City Hall for radio. Mayor Richard M. Daley uh, then Mayor Rahm Emanuel talking about the problem of gentrification. They talked about it, but did anything really get done? Well, there's nothing new under the sun, but I would say the reason why it probably didn't, as a man of faith, I believe that we were applying the wrong remedies. We're using the wrong tools. As a man of faith, I believe what the Bible says, that the weapons of our warfare or the tools we use to fight are not carnal. Many times we're looking for political solutions and, and different solutions, and we're looking for politicians to do it. I think the answer is in the kingdom of God. The answer is in the people of God. So I believe that once the people of God become aware and mobilized and involved and engaged and simply live as Christians, I think that's where the answers are going to be found. I don't think that the answer is in City Hall because every election cycle we elect somebody who promises to come in and make changes, but they can't. They don't because they, they can't. They're not able to. But we talk about all the time as people of faith that we serve a God who's able to do anything and we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. When the church rises up and becomes the church, the incarnational church, the present church, the involved church, I think the solutions that the world needs, are, are, we have those solutions. So I believe that now that the church is becoming more aware, we're seeing ourselves more than just a Sunday come to meeting kind of organization, but more of an organization of transformational change, where we're seeing that we have some requirements that we need to do. We need to pray for change, and we need to work towards change, and we need to build unity, and we need to look at our communities and find out ways that we can help our communities. This is a perfect example. Cure uh, is a nonprofit organization, but this is part of the Cure Clergy Network. There's over a thousand pastors across the nation connected to Cure. Now these pastors and the pastors here in Chicago are starting to come together. The name of this summit is the Summit for Solutions. What are the solutions that only we're going to be able to hear because we're going to hear them from God? And what are the vehicles that we could use to roll those solutions out? I think that's where the difference is going to be made. Well, you have faith-inspired solutions, but you have folks from the radical regressive left mm -hmm. who have their solutions. Mm -hmm. They surely don't like your ideas. Well, they don't, but it reminds me of uh, the prophet and the, uh, the, the prophets of Baal, <laughs> you know, and he said, hey, look, call on your God and, and, and see who's going to consume it. We serve an active living God. And so I actually believe that our God is able to do that. The radical solutions offered by the left has only gotten us into the situations where we are now. So the Bible says when there is a change of priesthood, that means if the church of Jesus Christ now takes authority, there must by needs be a change of law. So there needs to be some policies that are changed 
changed. Right now, the radical lefts who are in power in all of these cities where all of these things are falling apart, it's the policies of the left that have gotten us to the situation. Our families, especially the black families, are destroyed because of the policies of the left. The radical leftist policies are the problem with us. So I believe if we offer people a better way, a more excellent way, and I believe that if we follow the path that scripture lays out for us, then we will see the results that we've been praying about. But there's an activity, there's an activeness that we have to engage in in order to see God work through us. Thank you so much. You. Pastor Cesar LaFleur with CURE, Chicago chapter of CURE. We'll take a time out and uh, come back with some other questions for Pastor LaFleur. Michael Medved for Town Hall. Despite strong economic growth of recent years, an even more important number tells a much less encouraging story. For three years in a row now, we've suffered an unprecedented decline in life expectancy, with self-inflicted harm striking more Americans in the prime of life. The lead author of a new study for the American Medical Association says the whole country is at a disadvantage compared to other wealthy nations. While people around the world enjoy steady increases in longevity, America has been moving in the wrong direction for the first time in a century. Experts say prime causes are drug overdoses, suicides, and alcoholism, deaths of despair that inflict a horrible toll despite declining rates of crime and poverty and dramatic improvements in medical care. Prospective leaders in an election year must confront this threat to our national well-being that prematurely steals spouses, parents, neighbors, and work colleagues from those who need them. I'm Michael Medved. Thanks again for joining us here on the Illinois Family Spotlight. Monty Lurick with you here, along with uh, Pastor Cesar LaFleur. He's been with us in the past, but uh, now he's wearing a hat for CURE. I have the Chicago chapter of CURE, which is the Center for Urban Renewal and Education. You have conservative ideas, faith-inspired ideas about uh, bringing change to communities. Change to communities that have poverty and violence. I still kind of lament the fact that we are not paying enough attention to the most essential things. There has to be a recommitment and a revival of our commitment to family in the black community. We have to rebuild our families. Right now, in certain areas, 72 to 78 percent of black children are born to a single parent household, usually by a single mom. And so with all of the good things that are going on, the economy getting stronger, jobs getting stronger, a lot of times people can still find themselves out of position to be able to take advantage of those things. For instance, all the jobs in the world can be available, but if you can't pass a drug test, well, then you can't get that job. And then also we're losing the whole concept of being taught a worth ethic and personal responsibility. One of the things Cure is very big on is developing and educating on personal responsibility, not depending on the government, not looking for government programs, but looking to God and looking to our own personal selves in order to be able to take responsibility for ourselves. Governments change. So we got good news in the economy now, but three years from now it could be the opposite. We've seen it go up and down. But one thing has never changed is that God is faithful. And so people have to take responsibility for themselves. So there is good news that things are getting better but things could be better still if people, especially in our community, uh, would demand better policies. We have policies that weaken the family instead of strengthen the family. We really need to run 
more conservative and Christian people to run for office, people with values that mirror our own. Uh, and we really need to have the bully pulpit in all of the offices being used to promote those biblical valuables. So there's just those principles that we think are necessary in order to be able to help develop a strong and vibrant community. And the family is the key to that. It's the center. It's the epicenter of everything that's going to happen in the community. Strong families are necessary to have strong communities. You won't have them without it. Well, our Trump administration policies helping to encourage strong families? I support uh, President Trump at great cost to myself, being an African-American in Chicago, but because I do agree with a lot of his policy positions. And actually, one of the things I appreciated was that before he ran and before he released his plan for urban black America, he asked us, you know, what are the things? I don't want to tell you what's needed. You tell us. And he listened to us and he's carrying some of those things out. So I support the president and I applaud his policies. However, I'm warning everybody that we can't depend on those things alone because it would be the same kind of dependency looking to him as it was if we were just looking to the Democrats. I'm telling people take advantage of this opportunity, this Kairos moment. You know, there's two different type ways of telling time or counting time that the Greeks has, chronos, chronological, and Kairos, which means a moment or a season. This is a moment, a Kairos moment that we have in order to be able to build on the strength of what's going on uh, in our government and in our economy now to help put our families back together so we'll have sustainability in those good numbers. I don't think uh, people have a full grasp of the importance of what has happened. We have opportunity zones now. What impact is that making in inner city communities? Well, it's going to make a great impact. And I think they're being rolled out in some areas now. I believe Detroit is one of the areas that are already benefiting from that. And what they're doing, they're trying to develop and they're trying to in, 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 uh, inspire or uh, to get businesses to look into certain areas to go in and invest in those areas, create businesses there, some tax considerations and other things that are really help. One of the things, I grew up on the south side of Chicago in the Auburn-Gresham area, and as a kid, when my dad was able to buy that house there, there was Continental Can Company and there was a lot of other businesses there. Those businesses left, and when it did, all of the economic viability of the community left. So I believe it's a great thing to use the power of the government and the different initiatives that can roll out to direct people to go back in and to reinvest and build businesses in those areas, hire workers from those areas, because that helps give stability to those communities. Build businesses that can pay a living wage, even provide health care. Oh, absolutely. All of that. And then opportunities for people to be entrepreneurs. You know, I'm a strong believer in having tax breaks and things like that and give people an opportunity to be able to say, let me get on my feet. Let me have my own business. And we become the suppliers of our own need. Worked years ago with uh, Webb Evans and United American Progress Association. And that was one of the main tenets of what they talked about was how do we develop an entrepreneurial spirit in the black community and get black people to support and patronize black businesses? And how do we get black businesses to embrace excellence and quality? And how do we get people to respect those businesses and, 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 and pay the prices and, you know, just really support one another? That's the key. Small businesses are the key to every community. So we need big business, but we need tons of small businesses as well. Business, period. We need people working. We need, we need yeah. to take advantage. And then we need to have a different uh, view on economic things. We need to have more kingdom view of economy, where we're not living above our means, uh, where we're not wasting money, where we're not foolishly spending our money, but we're, in, we're handling it wisely, being good stewards of the resources, and sharing those resources with people who have need in your own community. It starts with us first. Absolutely. 
Let's talk about a couple things. You mentioned out-of-wedlock births, mm-hmm. big problem still in your community, and it's a growing problem in white communities. Yes, absolutely. Well, the left would say, well, you see, this is why we need abortion. You say. That's why we need more uh, education on sexual morality. That's why we need mothers and fathers raising their children. That's why we need values instilled in our children when they're very young. We, we don't need more abortion because bo- abortion, which is not using it now, it has birth control. You know, to eliminate the consequences of um, immorality. But it doesn't eliminate the consequences. It just victimizes us even more. So now we need to reinstill in our children a sense of morals and values that says that, you know, sexual illicit sex is wrong, sexual immorality is wrong, uh, that you are, have to be good stewards of your body, that you don't carry yourself in any kind of way. We need to reinvest in teaching those principles and have those inculcated down into our young people so it becomes part of their value system. So when they grow older, they'll be making those decisions because they believe in them, not because we want them to. Pastor LaFleur, a lot of talk now about reparations. What do you think about the whole idea of reparations? My thinking of it is, first of all, I, I, I think it's wrong to punish someone who never owned a slave and have them paying money to people who never were slaves. And also, I don't think we've taken into account all of the things we really need to consider. For instance, my ancestors were slave owners. A lot of people don't recognize that there were black slave owners, quite a few black slave owners in America. So now, what is my obligation when it comes down to, to reparations? Am I to be both an oppressor and a victim as well. How do we separate that out? You know, it, it's, it's an interesting discussion. And then are we talking only a financial settlement? Do we really think that a financial settlement is gonna make people whole? Nobody has the ability to make another person whole. They won't be able to do that. And so I think if you're looking for money to, to, to correct an evil from a uh, hundred years ago, you're gonna be disappointed because money is gonna run out and then what's the next thing? So I'm not a big proponent of that. I don't, and, and this is gonna come out of our tax money. So how do you separate the black taxes from the white taxes in order to be able to pay reparations? Also, I, I don't hold, you being a, a, a Caucasian, I don't hold slavery against you. I would hold your present racism against you if you were. But I don't hold you responsible for slavery because I was never a slave. Now, I do recognize that my ancestors were tremendously impacted by that. And so I understand some of the reasons why we struggle. We continue to struggle with that. But by the same token, I don't think that you're going to be able to correct the errors of the past by destroying the present. I believe that if they pass registrations, it would divide this country. It would be a horrible, horrible decision, and it would not work well. Well, you say it would divide the country. You're a conservative. What if President Trump would do the unthinkable and say, I support reparations. I know the Democrats will say, well, he's just trying to uh, capture the black vote. But what if he said, I could go along with reparations? I think he would lose a lot of his base. He really would, because there are people who uh, support him because of his firm stance on pragmatic and common sense policies and by him standing for conservative principles. So I think if he did that, a lot of us, a lot of his base would be disappointed with him. They would not agree with him on that. Pastor, you, you say there are better answers to abortion. So that would tell me that the pro-life community here in Illinois especially really has to step up its game mm-hmm. because of what's happened with the signing of uh, Senate Bill 25, this expansion of abortion, a law that essentially takes away any legal rights for the unborn. 
Absolutely. Uh, there are a lot of different options. It's never the correct choice to kill the child. If you're not ready to have a child, adoption is an option. I think we need to have an increase of the women's pregnancy centers uh, to have resources and counseling and other things available to support women in these crisis situations uh, to be able to make the right decision. I think there needs to be more counseling, especially with the fathers, to help them understand their responsibility for what it is that they have created. They need to understand that you've created a life, you know, and because you've created this life, it has also attached the responsibility to you to make sure that that life is taken care of. In those areas where they're not able, then there needs to be re uh, referrals, there needs to be assistance to help them do that. But most of all, we just really need to connect with people's hearts and con connect with the hearts of the nation and help them clearly see that what we're talking about is when is it appropriate to terminate the life of an innocent human being. People keep saying, well, it's a woman's body. No, it's not the woman's body. The baby is in the woman's body, but it's not the woman's body. The baby has a life, has a purpose, has a soul of its own. When do we start respecting that? So there are a lot of things that we can do. If, we, if we're going to give reparations, why don't we give reparations to, to the, all the unborn babies that have been killed? Why don't we not funnel some of that money to take care of these women in these crisis pregnancies? And then we need to be teaching women and young people, like I said earlier, about how to live moral, chaste, and pure lives. There's a lot of things we can do besides just using abortion as an end-all for our mistakes, our sexual immorality. Pastor LaFleur, a lot of ground we've covered here today. We need to get people connected with CURE, the Chicago chapter. What should they do? They should go to our website. Go to www.urbancure.org. That's urbancure.org. And they would click on the clergy tab, tab and it would take you right to where you can find out information about the uh, clergy network, and especially the Chicago clergy chapter. Uh, I encourage people, if they're willing, to text uh, Easy Prayer 2019. That's Easy Prayer. 2019 to 474747 and that would opt in into our text network where we send out prayer requests and prayer reminders and things like that to get people connected. They can email the beloved community at voicesofthebeloved.org or they could email prayer network at voicesofthebeloved.org or they could just simply pick up the phone and give me a call at 708-378-4712 and I'd be happy to connect you in any way that we can. All right, listen, thank you so much, Pastor Cesar LaFleur, and thank you folks for tuning in. Please support the work of Illinois Family Institute and tell a friend about CURE, but also Illinois Family Spotlight. Until next time, God bless. Thank you for listening to Illinois Family Spotlight. For more information, please visit us at ifiaction.org and look for us on Facebook and Twitter. If you would like to email us questions or comments, please do so at feedback at ifiaction.org. Until next time, stay engaged and keep your eyes on the prize.